Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. Due to the pandemic, we bring you One Bad Mother straight from our homes, including such interruptions as children, animal noises, and more. So let's all get a little closer while we have to be so far apart. And remember, we are doing a good job. This week on One Bad Mother, we're on double secret probation. We talk to journalist Melissa Korn about the college admission scandal. Plus, Fizz doesn't want to do it. Woo! Hey, do you want to know what my 20-month-old learned how uh-huh. to do? Yeah. Do you want to? I'm going to tell yeah. you. She has not only learned how to pull her shoes off <gasps> while she's in her car seat, in her rear-facing car seat, mind yeah. you, because obviously. Yeah, um, but she has also learned to throw her shoes in such a way that it hits me while I'm driving. Woo. Isn't she so talented? This yes. is great. I, no, no one told me about this. No, no one told me that this could be a thing, mm-hmm. that I would be hit with toddler shoes while I'm trying to drive after spending a nice afternoon in the park. No, hitting me with shoes. It's pretty great. <sighs> but, yeah, you know, the weather is nice. We can be outside. My parents received both doses. My in-laws received their first dose and are scheduled for their second dose. And because I'm a full-time stay-at-home parent, I will be vaccinated in 2025. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you, everybody else, for getting vaccinated so we can go to the park. Um, I'm going to keep dodging shoes. I hope you are all having a great day. Bye. (laughs) I mean, technically, you're dodging two shoes. Unless unless there's something like, I don't know, very unique about the car seat and your child has been hoarding shoes. uh, for You know what? First of all, you're doing such a good job. Second, yes, your child is a genius. A genius with a hell of a over-the-shoulder shot. All right? Watch out. Harlem Globetrotters, here comes the baby who can throw over her shoulders. Also, you're right. No one, no one told you this. There's no like parenting book where it's like chapter two, being hit in the head with toddler shoes while driving. It's right around the same chapter of poop in the tub and being bitten. Like (laughs) your child's going to take your keys and hide them somewhere forever. And you'll never get those keys back. None of those are books. And that's, I guess that's, that's all right. No, it's not all right. We need those books. So you're doing an amazing job. Congratulations on all the people in your life getting vaccinated. And I'm with you. Mom podcast host, not, not on the top list. Not, not the first ones in line. And that's okay. That's okay. That is why I like you want to say thank you to everybody else who is getting vaccinated because it is their turn. You are doing a good job. So let's get to the thanking. (laughs) I'm thinking about thanking. So I want to say thank you just like, again, to everybody who's getting vaccinated. Good job. I I know that in every city and every state, it's a little bit different and good job navigating it. Also, good job for those of you who are on lists and are getting notified that there's extra and that you got to use it before it goes bad. Good job. 
appreciate that. Thank you to all the people distributing those vaccines. In whatever way you are involved, be it volunteer, be it employee, being the poker, being the prepper, being the sign-inner or rescheduler, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I see you. You're not just like at a clinic. You're at the like CVS or the grocery store or schools or senior centers. There are so many places that people are out rolling out this vaccine, and it's so impressive. Thank you to all the medical professionals who are out there keeping us healthy, keeping us safe, and keeping those who are affected by COVID as comfortable as you can. It, that You have just run a relentless and exhausting year. And, and it sucks that it's not not there I don't know where the finish line is <laughs> so there's still more relentlessness all around and I, I just think you guys are all amazing and remarkable teachers I love you like like I love you and like in a way that might might you know cross some lines sometimes I want to like cheer for you and like throw candy bars like to you Right, like, like as if it is a Fourth of July parade, and I got a handful of dum dum lollipops. And as you walk from your car to the school, I just want to throw them and be like, "Wow!" and just celebrate you. Postal service, delivery service, grocery store employees, packers, warehouse workers, deliverers, farmers. The list goes on and on. One of the bright spots of this pandemic is just. Being aware of how interconnected we all are. <laughs> oh my God, we just one big web. And I think it, it's like that Star Trek moment where, you know, uh, humanity changes when they realize that they are not alone in the universe. The whole premise of Star Trek and that, you know, boom, we become a peaceful planet. That is this moment for me. Okay, I hope it's that moment for lots of people. We really rely on each other. So uh, I, I love knowing that. And I will continue to say thank you forever, forever and ever. Now, here's where I am. I don't want to do it. Somebody asked me over the last couple of weeks, I've been asked, you know, hey, how are you? Where are you? And I'm like, okay, because <laughs> we all know what okay means. I don't want to parent and I don't want to partner. Like, that's where I am. I have parented and partnered consistently for 11 years. And uh, a year of it, like you know, has been fairly intense. And I would like to, you know, be a parent. And I would like to stay partnered. I just don't want to do it right now. And... <laughs> Like before kids and before partners, you know, if I just wanted to watch movies all day, I just laid down and I watched movies all day, right? If I wanted to sleep in really late, just did it. Just did it. If I didn't want to cook dinner, I just wanted to order some food out or just eat chips all day. I could do it. Let's let's say one of those choices were healthy. Let's say I just wanted to get in a car and go on a hike. You know, I those those are things when you parent and partner that you cannot just willy-nilly do, that sort of, uh, I think we talked about this before, that wanderlust, that ability to just get up and go and do a thing you want to do. Because whatever you do affects 
others. Not that I can't do those things. It's just I have to literally say, okay, guys, uh, on Wednesday, I want to not talk to anyone all day. How's that? See, that doesn't sound right either. So that's where I'm at. And I guess it doesn't really matter how much I don't want to do it. But I got to do it. You know why? Because I am a person in the world doing it. I've got to be a good example for my children, for my partner, uh, for those around me. I got to make good decisions. And I've got to work my hardest knowing that every decision I make will deeply, deeply impact where my children will go to college. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Which I think ties in nicely to what we're going to talk about today with our guest, journalist Melissa Korn, one of the reporters who covered the college admission scandals and has a new book out with her co-writer Jennifer Levitz, Unacceptable. Privilege, Deceit, and the Making of the College Admissions Scandal. <laughs> Woo! Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. This week, we are talking with Melissa Korn, who co-wrote Unacceptable, Privilege, Deceit, and the Making of the College Admission Scandal with her Wall Street Journal colleague, Jennifer Levitz. Melissa covers higher education for the journal, writing about college admissions, university finances, education policy, and lately, the impact of the pandemic on both students and institutions. Welcome, Melissa! Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. Do you have two weeks to talk to me? <laughs> Let's see. I've been talking about this topic since March twelfth, twenty nineteen. So sure, yeah, sure. I've got two years. Yeah, we've got yeah a little time. We just circle around with it. Before we get into this, and probably just a list of panicky questions from me regarding <laughs> higher education and children, who lives in your house? My house, uh, it is me and my daughter uh, is here half the time and at her dad's half the time. And she is in hybrid kindergarten these days. <laughs> so it's, yeah, days are either really calm and I'm really focused on my day job or just mm. a total circus. Yeah, how's that, how's that working out? <laughs> that sort of pivoting back and forth. <laughs> I mean, I was already sort of pivoting, right, of like my on and off parenting days, but it ratcheted up a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't, I keep like waiting for somebody to be like, oh yeah, you feel <laughs> so physically done because you're just like <laughs> back and forth, back and forth, go. I'm sick of people saying, and I know this has been like written about and talked about oh, before. Sure. I'm so sick of people saying, I don't know how you're doing it. I know. Like, I know. We're not. None of us are. No one's really. doing it. No one's doing it. No one's doing it on a thousand levels. No, absolutely <laughs> well, not. We do say here that we're doing it in the sense of like, I woke up and yeah. I, I, I did the, some things and I went to bed and I got up and I did it again. I'm doing it. Yes. Yay! That's right. You're, everyone is surviving in your household. That Correct. is a big, you know, that's a big win. It's for a sure. big win. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that myth of... 
that anybody is achieving anything, including great pleasure from the entire experience. So, you know, myths, I think, will tie in nicely to what we're going to talk about. Yes. I want to get into college and the, actually, I kind of, before we even get in specifically to the story that you covered and the book about the whole college admission scandal, (laughs) I want to start, you've been covering higher education for a number of years. I feel like there is this story about college and there are a variety of different stories all sort of that come together when one thinks college. You know, I think of you have to go to college to get a job. You have to be the first person in your family to go to college. I think about the... Like you have to these, go to a four-year school. You have to go to a like, four-year That's school. what college is. Yeah, right. right. And all these different sort of meanings and emotions that we have tied to college. And I think a lot of that will, you know, plays into what led to this scandal amongst many things that surround the college. Has that story evolved? Is that narrative different now? What do you think that narrative is? Answer all my questions. What have you learned? So... <laughs> Let's see, I'll answer everything all at once. Everything! I think that the the way we talk about college has started to change in the past five or ten years, but it's not yet where it needs to be. So there was this great push of everybody needs to go to college because that's the education you need in order to be employed. Now people talk about it, policymakers talk about it as everyone needs to have some sort of post-secondary education which is, you know, super jargony and not as easy to say as college, but <laughs> it's also more expansive. It's It could be a vocational or technical program. It could be a certificate. Uh, it could be an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree or, you know, continue on to graduate school. But an acknowledgement that a four-year full-time college experience is not for everybody. It's actually not the norm. And I think we're still behind the curve when we talk about who's going to college. There's still so many assumptions that it's 18 to 22-year-olds living on campus, going full-time, mom and dad are paying at least a portion of it. Yeah. And that's not who's going to college now. Who's going to college now? The people who used to be called <laughs> non-traditional students are now Me. the majority. That's right. Right. So. Right. Adults. Yeah. Working adults, people who maybe started school a decade ago and are going back now, people going part-time, people going online or hybrid, even before the pandemic, yeah. people you know, taking on loans themselves, their parents aren't contributing. They're kind of above that age when that would be considered appropriate or necessary parental duties. And, you know, they're working part-time or full-time on the side. They have kids of their own. It's There's this myth of kind of the traditional college student, and that is just so not who we are right now. And I should say there's more also about the, the socioeconomic status of college students, and there's just some great research out, a big survey that came out, I want to say earlier this week about food insecurity and housing insecurity among college students. Like college, most colleges, big universities have food pantries now because they're necessary. Yeah. No, it's so funny. I, when you were talking about like the image of college versus what it is, it, it's like that comparison of like, you know, animal house versus, you know, or like, 
or words yes. like Saved by the Bell, the college years, or uh, what's that Rodney Dangerfield, Back to School, right? Like if you're an adult going back, you're, you have no middle ground. You are Rodney Dangerfield and you're really excited about getting laid. <laughs> I will say, and it's kind of funny in the role I have talking about college or writing about college um, just because the word college can mean so many things to different people. But I spend so much of my time writing about super selective, very pricey colleges, you know, kind of the IVs and Ivy plus institutions and schools that the parents involved in the scandal thought that was kind of the list of acceptable destinations and that was it. So there's that. And then you also have talking about food insecurity and, you know, students who are drowning in debt and parents who are drowning in debt. And it's, It's (laughs) there's some dissonance there. Yeah, some dissonance. And it's one of those topics that, again, what makes it, I feel, to the sound bites are one or the other. There's no, like, this is how these are all interconnected. And this is how not only is it connected, but how it branches out leading up to it and out of it. Let's get to the scandal. Yes. <laughs> and you have to say it, scandal. I know. You, you have know, to jazz say hands. Jazz hands. <laughs> scandal. This was a crazy shit show of a, of a story. A lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Also super depressing. I mean, it was like fun, like, it's fun, like, you know, oh, I'm doing my, like, like I'm some like 70s housewife who's like doing her ironing, like getting all Twitter painted by like, oh, who did what? Like, I don't, it's really fucked up. (laughs) So I want to ask, you've been covering this for a while. Was this at all like a big surprise? I mean, haven't people been using money and power to manipulate systems forever like what (laughs) what was it about this this? I think most people who are involved in higher ed or college admissions and work with high schoolers even like it's not a surprise that as you said that power and money play into admissions that it is not a pure meritocracy and really never has been oh no that is still heartbreaking and shocking to some portion of the population and for them I'm very sorry to you know crush all of your dreams but it just, it was never pure. And I think the scandal that some people went to such great lengths to get their kids into particular schools did not shock me. The complexity of this particular scandal and the scheme and the machinations involved and the number of people involved and the length that it went on without being caught, that part did surprise me, right? There are people cutting corners all over the place in college admissions. That's that's nothing new and that will continue. But having this very well-oiled machine with, you know, two prongs of kind of illegal operations and an office staff and a sham charity and like, it was intense. It was intense. It was intense. And it, it was, I think one of the things that I remember, again, not shocked that it happens, but was shocked that like never once in that chain, that intricate <laughs> chain that had been established, was somebody like, no. <laughs> you right. know, like, no one was like, what? You want me to do what? No, and the people who did, not. yeah, the people who did maybe seem a little queasy with the whole thing, yeah. like, they didn't so, tell anybody else. Didn't tell anybody. Or the people kind of on the outside who raised some red flags, yeah. they just went, it went nowhere. It went nowhere. Uh, there were these... 
efforts to bring it down a little bit or at least ask some questions and it just petered out. So circling back to our first question about college, what Mm -hmm. is college? And a system set up so much as the system was set up, the importance, the, uh, that anybody would be like, yeah, this is a great idea. Why did, did you get any sense of why it mattered so much? Like, isn't getting into a good quote unquote college is that antiquated these days? I mean, it college is college. Now I say that as, you know, a person who was expected to go to college. I say that as, you know, a white woman with, you know, who had a lot of access despite dropping out from three different colleges. <laughs> you had and the then, opportunity to go yeah, to three different colleges. I had colleges. the opportunity to go and I had the opportunity to flunk out and I had the opportunity to go again somewhere else and then flunk out somewhere else and then like wait tables at Ruby Tuesdays for years. Like it's, it was never a question that I couldn't get back in or out. So I understand I'm asking that question from a very specific place. But also, like you said, what college looks like has changed over the last couple right. of years. So so what? What's the big deal? <laughs> it, right. It depends on what you grew up with, I think. It I depends know, yeah. on what your peers are doing, what's expected in your high school. So... You know, the families involved in the scandal were going to, you know, $30,000, $40,000 a year private schools. I know it's... <laughs> I know, it's a lot <laughs> you're, of money. You're paying college tuition for high yeah. school. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And it, wasn't, it wasn't like the PTA president from, like, the local public school bribing their, like, their way No, but through. there was a board there member was. from yes, one of was. the private schools. Yes, fair <laughs> enough. But, but you're right. This, this was a very specific group of people right. who were doing this. It is. It's a very, and it's, um, you know, Jennifer, my co-author at one point was in Brentwood uh, doing some reporting and she stopped off at a coffee shop to recaffeinate and noticed this, you know, message board, like a, or, you know, a thumbtacks and stuff and ads for things. And there weren't ads for cat sitters and house painting. It was ads for test prep, essay coaching. And like, that is all that there was. And I think that, I mean, when you're in that environment, just going to college, just going to a pretty good college or a fairly selective college, no, that's not enough. Ugh. And it's it's not enough for a lot of the parents. A well, lot that of the was kids my next would question. be okay. That is my next question. Who was this really about? Like, who right. was really, like, leading this? I mean, were, you know, was this about, as it always is, parents, and I'm one, so I'm fucked. <laughs> or is it about, or are there kids who are like, you better do anything. So what is it? Is is that what it really just was? Was it just? It was mostly the parents. Ugh. So some of the kids did know what was happening. They were brought in on it, um, whether it was the test cheating or the fake athletic profiles. Like some were aware of what was going on to different degrees, but some really did not know what Ugh. their parents were up to. And the parents went to great lengths to keep them in the dark. And I mean, can you just... I can't even I imagine can't. being 17 years old and learning that my parents did this for for me, in quotes, um, really to me. Yeah. And just realizing, oh, my God, they had no faith that I could pull this off myself. And how dare they screw up, you know, like, oh, they just fucked up my life yeah, to an forever. amazing degree by trying to do something really to stroke their own egos. 
What's worse, not knowing and then finding out after the fact or having your parents come to you and say, cheat on this test right now, right? Like, what? so diabolical about it. What? I don't mean, like, which one is worse? I don't know. I don't. It's, both are awful. And Both are awful. Ugh, I know. It is so <laughs> screwed up. And I... And it makes me think back to just the core of what I have always thought was bullshit, which is that mommy war that was sort of, I've always felt was very generated as a way just to continue to pit women against each other. (laughs) Me personally. I just don't think there's a mommy war. But I think it makes a good soundbite. But they, this notion, we all struggle as parents with, you know, even the most casual of conversations in which someone says they're you know, three-year-old slept through the night or their baby slept through the night can make you then feel like, what have I done? How do I fix this? I am a horrible parent. What are they doing? Right? And and, and this just feels like like people who were unable to break that craziness. Right. For some, it's about ego. It's like, I'm already at the top of my game and I want that damn bumper sticker. For others, it's this really deep insecurity. And I have to say, when reporting out the book, it kind of terrified me how I could relate to a lot of that, well, um, that- as as a parent, right? Yeah. Like, I live in New York City. I've got a kid in <laughs> kindergarten. Yeah. Like, we did not go the private school. My kid must go to this preschool yeah. to go into this kindergarten so that they can end up at Harvard. Like, that was not our approach. Right. But we knew plenty of people who were yeah. in that. And is so scary. But you can see how even at that young age, parents do get that. I must be doing something wrong because my kid's not reading yet. I must be doing something wrong because whatever it is, how can I make sure my kid is getting every advantage possible? Right. And people obviously take that to different degrees. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to break little Timmy's leg. (laughs) I mean, here in New York, people pay hundreds of dollars an hour for gifted and talented test tutoring for kindergartner or for pre-K kids. No way. Oh, yeah. For four year olds? I got to tell you, I have. It's changing now because the gifted and talented program is changing for admissions. But oh, yeah. There's like $300 an hour tutors. How do you prep for (laughs) gifted and talented? Because that's all about like, there's that is, there are so many different areas of what, like, I mean, the spatial is bonkers, but (laughs) it ain't the same test I took as a kid. (laughs) I'll tell you that. It's like about patterns and shapes and colors yeah, and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But it's... Anyway, that's <laughs> nuts. All right. Something you got to do in this book that you probably didn't have as much freedom to do in the articles is really digging further into the lives of these people. They they got to become more complex. And, and earlier you said, you know, it was hard because you even kind of understood where some of them were coming from. Now, when I think about the people in this book, all I think about is like, Every like happy Madison SNL style movie where there's the like super rich jerky guy who's just like, no, I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast, right? Yes. Pieces of shit for breakfast? No. Right? Like that. That's all I imagine these people to be because I'm a monster. So what were these, what were they really like? Yeah. So I think. It's right. Like when we're writing for a story for the newspaper, the longest stories I get to write generally are about 2,000 words, 2,200 words max. It's not that much room to show who a person is. And one of the ways that we really got a lot of these parents and others to open up to us, to talk to us for the book, 
was to explain, like, right now, what's out there about you is not good, right? So you've got a few headlines, <laughs> you've got the yeah, FBI no. affidavit, you've got not the stuff good. the prosecutors put out that shows you as just this conniving, yeah. transactional, you know, questionable love for your child sort of thing. Like, this is a not a good look on you. Yeah, no. But talk to us. Tell us why you did what you did or why you did what you were accused of doing. Why these people might think you were accused of what you did, since some people <laughs> did plead not guilty. Sure. Um, sure. Give my little disclaimer there. Yeah, thank you. You know, w- show us the rest of you. And generally, the more information that comes out about people, the more human they are. As you said, the more complex. Yeah. They're, they're just, whether it's they're relatable or they're pity some tiny little kernel about them or you admire something about their life history, like you just understand them more as humans. The problem is that wasn't the case for everybody, right? Some people just (laughs) continued to dig themselves deeper the more and more they shared about themselves. And, you know, there, there was one dad who, even after serving his prison sentence, was still trying to kind of talk his way out of this and explain that he was just had by the scheme's central character, uh, Rick Singer, that like, um, you pleaded guilty, you went to federal prison and you're still saying like, not my fault. Well, where'd you go to college? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I want to be like, where'd you go to college? Did you, uh, did you take any of the classes there about, you know, ethics or, you know, any of those things? I thought those were mandatory. Yeah. It's, I mean, sitting in the courtroom for some of those sentencings was really interesting just to, you know, some of them played it I mean, there are people who help lawyers craft these sentencing memos of how to come across most sympathetic, uh, most relatable, you know, being a super rich person trying to get leniency from a judge is kind of a hard thing to do. What? So they have to toe the line, right? Like (laughs) there was one, one of my favorites is this mom who in her sentencing memo included a letter from somebody who was like, oh, she always got her hands dirty while she was fixing her private plane. Or like... (laughs) She was known as, like, the most charitable person in Aspen. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, and she let me design the interiors of two of her houses. Yeah. And these were the people, that, these are, like, the character references. Yeah, this is, this is, like, a different. <laughs> it's a different level. It's a different level. It is a different way of walking through the world <laughs> yes. that, you know, I it, it is, I, I don't know. I guess, I, you know, if I. If I got to lead by, you know, the example I try and set, I got to say, well, good for them. But, <laughs> you know, and not good for them, like, cheating the system and trying to use that power to corrupt. But if you're generally a really good person and also ridiculously wealthy, like, in a whole nother place like that, good yeah. for you. <laughs> so so there you. were some of these that, like, you and they would submit like 20, 25 letters from friends and family and former employees or employers. And some of them like really showed that this was a person who had some redeeming qualities. Yeah. Some of them reinforced what the public probably already thought about these people. And some just kind of left you like, oh, that person really didn't have any intimate friends because they say absolutely nothing interesting about him. Uh, and it was a mix. And it was a lot of fun reading um, yeah. all in the court docket, uh, those letters. <laughs> But, you know, we also knew that we wanted to go beyond that. We didn't want to just regurgitate what's in the court file because you can pay enough money and get access to all those records and 
there you go. And frankly, the FBI affidavit, this 200-page thing that like dropped like a bomb the first day, like that alone could just be a book. It yeah. Fascinating reading. <laughs> so we knew that the bar was pretty high to like get something new and yeah. insightful and contextual there. Well, was it hard? Was this was it hard to write it and not like it's a journalist, no bias, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> in the book, I'm guessing there's a little more room. For, I, only because, like, when I'm, like, reading it, there's parts where it's like, it her, blonde, her blonde hair and her tan. Like, whenever you say tan, I'm like, oh, I know what tan means. They live <laughs> on a boat. You know, and they're always in the Caribbean, which is my own, you know, stuff that I'm putting on the words Tan and blonde. But right. <laughs> there, I mean, right. Like we, we describe the houses that some yeah. of these families live oh, in. Yeah. And we had a lot of fun doing that. Let's be yeah. honest. Like hanging out on Zillow to do the like bird's eye view oh. and see, <laughs> read the real estate descriptions. Because a lot of them sold their houses shortly oh, yeah, during I'm this sure. process. Because, you know, they had big legal fees. Yeah. Um, wow. You know, the, the chateau style, whatever. Yeah. The 17 bedroom <laughs> compound. And, oh, my God. Um, oh, my God. When writing this, it was it was fun to do that. But I mean, like, how? What did you feel your responsibility was, though, to navigate between, like, turning it into like a you know Daniel Steele novel and <laughs> and reporting <laughs> on what you wanted to get across? I feel like I should say to any listeners, I'm sorry, this is not a Daniel Steele novel. I know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you put on the right music with this. Hmm, okay. <laughs> he was tan and, and blonde and the chateau. I know. Anyway, it's a tight pink dress. And like, yeah. yeah. Um, so we did definitely have to toe a line, right? Like we are yeah. journalists. We continue to be journalists. We continue to cover yeah. this story for the Wall Street Journal. I continue to write about very serious topics. I'm not looking to go move over to TMZ or people. Right. <laughs> Thank you. But at the same time, like, you need some personality here. So yeah. there is a little snark. There's probably a little judgment in there of a lot of things, you know. Yeah. But we don't harp on let's all make fun of these people or anything right. like that. It's it's a balance. So part of it was making sure that we weren't going overboard with judgment, but also making sure that we weren't being spun, right? Yeah. So a lot of these parents and others, had they had amazing legal teams. They had, uh, they had hired very high-priced crisis communications people. Oh, I bet. So they had serious entourages around them who were trying to feed us a particular type of information or a particular sliver of the story, the one that they thought would make their client look best, Yeah. even when sometimes that directly contradicted the facts we had. So we had to navigate all that. We often had to go around all of them to actually talk to the parent directly because who knows if the lawyers and the crisis comms people are send, sending them our messages. So yeah. there was, you know, taping notes to doors and leaving a letter in a mailbox and text messaging and DMing on Facebook and all that stuff. Like, and it, you know, enough of it was fruitful. I love it. I love the idea of you going up and like taping something to somebody's door or like car window. Yeah. I was like, hello, I'm a reporter. And I, Pretty you know, much. like, well, so it worked, like it works enough. It. No. So there was. <laughs> Does it? But it, it also can freak some people out. Oh, I know. So we got yeah. one call from a lawyer saying, like, please stop contacting my client. Like, you've gotten your point across that you're trying to talk to them. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's great. But you have never acknowledged that you pass along our message. So until you acknowledge yeah. that, we were, we're going to go direct. Yes. And then, yes, that involved getting on an airplane and flying across the country to do. And 
I remember just spending like three hours getting lost driving around Atherton to like just check yeah. out the exteriors of the houses that these people lived in. My God. And that was an afternoon. That was it. <laughs> and I was on the phone with Jennifer and she was giving me some directions. And then when she was down in like San Diego, I was checking the GPS, checking directions for her to get, you know, to the next house. And it, it was, it was fun. It was, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and most of my work is usually sitting at a desk yeah. talking on the phone. So this was a nice, nice change of pace. As a result of all this research and work in general, what are your thoughts on college? I mean, because you have your own background, just like I do, you know, mm-hmm. I, I I don't know if I would wind up saying, no, you have to go. Right? Like, I don't Right. It's, <laughs> I don't and it's know. a different I don't know what I would environment. Do. And yeah. the costs are so different now, oh, right? Like, yeah. I'm not going to be able to afford sticker price on a journalist's salary uh, unless every single person in the world goes out and buys the book. Yeah. <laughs> even if it's questionable. <laughs> even then. <laughs> so it's, you know, who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a 529 for my kid, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it's going to go to. Yeah. Who knows what that'll look like. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Between now and then. Well, Melissa, thank you for joining us, obviously. But the book, I did not think, I will admit, I didn't think I'd enjoy it. (laughs) I I like to read mysteries and cozies and like, ooh, is he going to kiss her? I need light reading these days. (laughs) But this, this was it, it, you did a really nice job of taking me through the scandal. And, <laughs> you know, I put my own music on. I made it Daniel Steely in here. There you go. <laughs> and I think it fits in so nicely to what we try to talk about on this show, which is just, you're, everybody's all right. You don't have to do this. This is a, this is a crazy place. We don't have yes. to go to crazy to have yes. okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> to have good stuff. So we will link everyone up to where they can get the book. People, you know how to find books, but you know what I mean. We're going to make sure we, you know, you link can it. at different price points and different that, mediums. That's right. <laughs> we'll link you up to the cheapest. No, I'm just kidding. The, um, we all know who sells at the cheapest. Let's, that's let's right. I know. Don't, that's why we don't link to that link. <laughs> Independent bookstores. All right. Yes. As well as where they can follow you on Twitter and at the journal and all of those wonderful things. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad that investigating this didn't make you a horrible, bitter person. Or <laughs> Maybe I already was. Maybe just, you were. Maybe it just softened <laughs> the edges. I don't know. Depends who you ask. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I think you're lovely. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. One Bad Mother is supported in part by KiwiCo. Cultivate your child's natural creativity and curiosity with new hands-on STEAM projects every month. From sailing the solar system to conducting colorful chemistry and more. KiwiCo crates have been such a game changer (laughs) for our entire family, truly. They have really changed the way we do activities together. We did this for Easter because we didn't want to give our kids like a bunch of candy. Well, obviously they're getting candy, but (laughs) we wanted to give them less candy. And everybody was really happy with that. 
One project I really enjoyed working on recently with my nine-year-old Gracie is a basketball court catapult where <laughs> Gracie was actually able to build a tiny like half court hoop and a little catapult and practice flinging the basketball into the hoop and it actually works and it was so much fun to build. With KiwiCo, there's something for every kid or kid at heart every month. Get 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with code BADMOTHER at KiwiCo.com. That's 30% off your first month at KiwiCo.com, promo code BADMOTHER. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Welcome back, Teresa. It's still spring break. (laughs) Week two of spring break. Whoop. Are you ready for this? Genius me, Teresa. <laughs> wow. Oh my god. Oh my god. I saw what you did. Oh my god. I'm paying attention. Wow. You mom are a genius. Oh my god, that's fucking genius. This is a very spring breaky genius. I was just thinking about the fact that this is, I'm so offended that we're calling this spring break. Yeah. But I'm just going to leave that there. That's nothing new to any of you all. But I did actually do something very spring breaky, which is that I took Gracie, my nine-year-old, to the beach for the first time in like, like I'm embarrassed to say because we live in Southern California, (laughs) but I'm embarrassed to say, I think it's been more than, or had been more than a year and it may have been like two years. Oh yeah, easy. Since I had taken her to the beach. And it was just the two of us and, you know, we carefully social distancing met up with some friends of ours, but I was able to just like focus on her. We didn't have the craziness of bringing all of the Thorn crew along (laughs) and we, it was perfect. It was cold, but it was perfect. We got to be outside. We had a really nice time. We quit while we were ahead. We didn't stay too long, get wiped out. It was lovely. I was very proud of doing that. That is an amazing genius. Good job. Thank you. Okay. This is really uh, just sort of a check-in genius. I just want everybody to know that America's Funniest Home Videos is still going great. (laughs) It's still really working out for uh, Kat and I. We are really laughing very hard, very, very hard at all the different things that happen on America's Funniest Home Videos. So keep sending those videos in, Americans. There's so many episodes. There's so many. 30 seasons. Yeah. That we, or 33 seasons. You're never going to run out. No, but we're yeah. starting with the most recent with Alfonso. Okay. Who is hosting from, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air days. And he's doing a really wonderful job. Great. Yeah. Yeah. That's Great. a hard job, actually, to sure. like, not be like, God, everybody's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm just 
Just wanted to let everyone know. Great job, Biz. Thank you. Hi, Biz and Teresa. This is a genius. I was making a bottle for my nine-month-old baby this evening, and I almost went and poured the laundry soap in the bottle instead of the formula because it was there and I was tired, but I didn't. So clearly, I am a genius with extrasensory powers. You're all doing a great job, and I love you. Bye. <laughs> yeah. You are doing a great job, and never share that. Never share that at a yeah, dinner party. Yeah, no one, no one else needs to know. <laughs> I can just see you standing there yeah. frozen with yeah. one thing in each hand, yeah. the detergent and the bottle, and you're yes. standing there, and you're going, wait a minute. Yeah. No. I shouldn't do this. <laughs> okay. A, <laughs> Good. You're right. That's the speed. Good talk. It's not a fast discovery when you're no. that tired. Like you have a nine month old in your house. Again, no, your your brain is not working. Not yeah. even a little. That is yeah. major, major super brain. Yeah, but the timing of the really having to consider what's in your hands, it is long. Yes. It's it long. Is. Yeah. It's a full conversation. Mm-hmm. Failures. Fail, 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 fail. You suck. Fail me, Teresa. All right. So family of five, home during the pandemic. <laughs> I don't need to tell you how many times a day we were running our dishwasher. Mm. But it was usually more than one, sometimes less than three. Huh. And we don't have like a built-in dishwasher. We have one of those portable ones. Yeah. And they just aren't as good. Like they're just not as good. They're just not as good. <laughs> um, and so we'd had this one since we had moved into this house, which was before Oscar was born. And basically like a few months ago, it just was done. Like we had to like cl- unclog it a bunch huh. of times. It was just like slowing down. Like we were clogging, unclogging it like every time. It was just, it was a whole thing. Yeah. And ultimately, we were just like, we looked at the shelf life of this thing and we're like, (laughs) we just need to get a new dishwasher. So I did the research and Jesse was very grateful to me for doing the research. Um, That's usually his job. He's like the wire cutter researcher person in our house. But I found like a really well-reviewed one. And, you know, we he's like, well, if that's one to get, go get it. We bought it got delivered in December, and now it's March and it's broken. Oh, God. It's broken. Broken? Broken. Is it broken? Broken. broken. It's broken. Not working. Not washing our dishes. But has it, it, but hasn't it hasn't been able to wash the dishes? Are the dishes it's coming not, out clean? They're not coming they're out not. clean. They're not. They're not. It's not doing the dishes <laughs> for me. Oh, God. Instead, I no. oh. and my family... Mm are doing all the dishes. Oh. It's not no. what I had in mind. Uh-uh. And I I'm very mad. <laughs> honestly. Yeah, I would be pissed. <laughs> I'm so mad and yeah. you know, it's still under warranty, you know, whatever. The, like they'll pay they'll fix it, but because it's under warranty, you have to go through the right people and you have to wait oh, for yeah. them to oh, do yeah. and it's uh, I I yeah. I'm used to having a dishwasher. Yeah, I know. Well, you're doing a horrible job. Yeah, I know. Being, I guess, domestic. Is that that it? Yeah, I guess. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Thank you. 
Okay, my fail, it's more of a prediction fail based on previous fails of uh, back-in-school learning. In just a few days, the kids will be going back to school for three days, three full days a week and two days remote. But those days, there's only two of those days in which they are both there at the same time. And one of those two days, they're like in two different, like, like one's at the farm because the school's mm-hmm. got a little farm and one's at the school. Those aren't connected. <laughs> so it's a lot of like scheduling, like make sure everybody's left the house at the right time with lunches. Lunches mm-hmm. are back. We had to start packing lunches again. Mm -hmm. And uh, I failed so many times with the, like, two days a week, two hours Mm -hmm. a day, like, at the farm. I still will just be sitting in the car texting Steph and saying, do I pick up at 11 or 1130? It hasn't changed, but I cannot get it in my head. And I know. I know I'm going to mess this up. Yeah. I know I'm going to mess it up. And I know I'm going to be resentful that I'm going to feel like I'm president of it. Yes. You know, like I know that's coming and I'm going to try to avoid it. But like, I, we, it's coming. Can I, can I share? Yeah. I just, I also, what I'm feeling as I'm listening to you, because I relate. What I'm feeling is this expectation of failure, yeah. as you said, but also this expectation that like it will be repeated failure. Oh like, yeah, like I'll do, yeah. I'll get the time wrong, but then just because I got it wrong and figured out, oops, I did yeah. that wrong today, that doesn't mean that now I get it, that now right. I can do it. Like I, I'm worried, I just will just not be able to do. Like I'll get continue it. to not be like we have yeah. to fill out this like online health form every morning oh, yeah. before eight. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I'm already we, we already have failed at that yeah. multiple times. Yeah, multiple mm-hmm. times. Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's that I think last week we talked about like uncertainty that comes from change. Like change yeah. doesn't always mean yay. Yeah, and that is where I am sitting at the end of spring break. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you suck, I guess. Yeah, and I just, we all know that the suck is coming. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hi, this is a fail. So I took my daughter to the park today. She's only been to the park a handful of times before because, because of the pandemic, and she's only... 21 months and has only been walking for like two of those months. So she is new to the whole park thing. We went on the merry-go-round for the first time today because her older cousins were on it. When she wanted off, I, I took her off, set her down, and forgot about the whole Disney thing. So she promptly fell down on the ground while other people saw and laughed. So, you know, thank goodness for a soft ground playground. And y'all are doing a great job. Yeah. Yeah. Those those things that go round Mm -hmm. at the park, I think I remember them. They make you very dizzy. Yeah. And 
Yeah. Why would, but, but why would you think, think about it? And I mean that in all honesty. I mean it like in all honesty. I know, but it is just one of those things where like you feel responsible somehow. Like, especially with a A little (laughs) at that age. (laughs) God. I know. Wow. You're doing a horrible job like using playgrounds. (laughs) I guess. So uh, an FYI, everybody was watching. Everybody. You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you, I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you, I love you. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Rothy's. Rothy's comfortable, washable, and sustainable shoes and bags make getting dressed easy. Guys, I have been coveting Rothy's shoes for a long time and finally got some. And I got to tell you, they are comfortable. They really are. I do not like, I like wearing tennis shoes and flip-flops. And these little ballet flat style Rothy's shoes that they have that are so cute are so comfortable. And this is my favorite part. They're machine washable. You can throw them in the wash. The washing machine, guys. <laughs> and it's fine. And they're made out of plastic bottles. Somebody put those plastic bottles on your feet for good. I'm so excited about this. Check out all the amazing shoes, bags, and masks available right now at rothys.com mother. That's rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com slash mother. The Beef and Dairy Network is a multi-award-winning comedy podcast here on Maximum Fun, and I would recommend you listen to it. But don't just take it from me. What do the listeners have to say? I would rather stick a corkscrew inside my ear, twist it around, and pull out my ear canal like a cork than listen to your stupid podcast ever again. Please stop contacting me. Hell would freeze over before I recommended this podcast, The Beef and Dairy Network, to anyone. Not in a million years. Actually, scratch that. Um, Make it a billion years. No, how long's infinity? That's the Beef and Dairy Network podcast, available at MaximumFun.org and at all good and some bad podcast platforms. Disgusting. Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And we host Round Round Springfield. Springfield. Round Springfield is a Simpsons-adjacent podcast where we talk to your favorite Simpsons writers, voice actors, and everyone who's worked on the show to talk about shows that aren't The Simpsons. So we're going to be talking to people like David X. Cohen, Yeardley Smith, Tim Long about other projects they've worked on, sometimes projects that didn't go well. Mm. Some failures. Yeah. Some rejections. Some failed pilots. <laughs> some failed life events. Yeah. We just <laughs> talked to all the failures of The Simpsons. Yeah. So if you really love your Simpsons trivia and want to get to know the people who have worked on The Simpsons a little bit better, come by Round Springfield. Every other week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. Teresa. Let's do something that we do every week. Let's listen to a mom have a breakdown. 
Hi, Biz and Teresa. This is a daylight savings rant. I'm pretty sure I've called you probably for the past five years saying fuck daylight savings because as a mother of children, you know that fuck daylight savings. But this year, this year I had a new revelation of why I hate daylight savings because I'm so goddamn tired. I'm so tired. I'm spent and I want to go to bed and like... Two nights ago, if I went to bed, it was dark out. And now I feel like I have to stay the fuck awake. It's daytime. Um, so that's a whole new fuck daylight savings. Anyways, y'all are doing a great job, and fuck daylight savings. Bye. Well, I look forward to hearing you in another six months. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously? I'm sorry, Teresa's face. I the got so mad. Daylight yeah. savings. It yeah. was as if she was in church. Like yeah. she was, her eyes were closed and she was nodding. Yeah. And there was this like face of like, I'm being touched. Like in a good <laughs> way, like by the spirit. Yes. I am being moved. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because I, I don't, I, I just, I'm so right there with you. I think it's hard on our kids, but it's hard on us because we're tired. And then it's like a vicious cycle and it's so stupid like it's for nothing so you feel like your kids are being punished and you're being punished for no reason and you're trying to like it took it took probably more than two weeks for my kids to stop saying but it's it's not it but it's daytime or but why is it like just being still really confused yeah and having to explain, you're just not used to the daylight savings yet. It's just the daylight savings. And that's just too many days. Like, yeah. just for no re- like, we have enough going on. Like, yeah. just. We just barrel through it in this house. I make zero big deal about it. In fact, I just shut it down. Like, we just change the clocks. And then if somebody says, what? What's happening? I just say, nothing. Get up. Or, wow. <laughs> or, or Velis is like, it's still light outside. It is. It is. Come on. Time for bed. It's still 7 o'clock. <laughs> time for bed. And I'm just like, I'm like, no, we will. We will not. We will not dwell on that in this house. I know. I know. It doesn't, like, by the way, that didn't fix anything. But that is how I walk through it. <laughs> Out of anger, you're just still in the denial phase. I just pretend like it's just yeah. not at all a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, the clock's changed. That's what happens right now. It's time for breakfast. Go. Go. Just go. Go, go, go. Go, 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 go. Well, I just want you to know that you are seen, you are heard, and you are doing a really good job not being able to control time or space and accepting that. I mean, with anger. You're accepting it with anger. But that's okay. That's okay. That's Sometimes that's how we have to accept things. You are amazing. Teresa, speaking of being touched, <laughs> you're also amazing. And I am touched every day that you are my friend. And I just, I look forward to seeing you again. Thanks, Soon. Biz. Yeah. I... Really appreciate you. Mm. I appreciate being here and seeing you. Yeah. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it again next week. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> what did we learn today, everyone? 
Well, you know what? I think <laughs> I, I feel like we have come full circle to where the show started like eight or more years ago. And that is thinking about the pressures put on parents from ourselves or from others or from what we read or what we see that makes us think that everything is supposed to be perfect and we're supposed to be doing what everybody else is doing and and how just crushing and destructive that pressure is. Like, you know, working versus stay at home, right? <laughs> like, both actually are really difficult <laughs> and both deserve all of our fucking respect. Sleep training, do it or don't. Let's judge each other about it. Regardless, no one's getting sleep tonight, right? Like, just breastfeed, don't breastfeed. I don't know, feel like shit for whatever your choice is. I'm terrified that this is going to follow me all the way to college. Like, I, that makes me terrified that I, and in all honesty, what I have learned over these years is whatever I thought I would feel or like, I haven't always felt that way when I get there, you know? Well, I'm never going to have it. My children have iPads. <laughs> like, boom, here's an iPad, right? Like, I'm going to make daily all organic. Boom, here's a can of beans. You know, like, <laughs> and I'd like to say that when my kids get to college age, I'm going to be rational and I'm going to be thoughtful and I'm going to be cool with what they choose to do or even pretend they have a choice. Like, like I'd like to think that that's how I will be. But I don't know, guys. That's what's so messed up about kids being in your house. You think it's going to be one way. You think you're going, you think you've got it and you know how you're going to be. <sighs> And you aren't, like, even if it's, even if you're, like, halfway there, like, even if you say it, like, okay, I know that I'm supposed to be really supportive, and I'm going to support you, and I hear you, and okay, let's pretend we're talking about college. Okay, you don't have to go to college this year. Look what a great parent I am. And then I'm going to go into the bedroom and for, like, a month cry and question myself and be upset and be sad that you're not having these experiences or that it's going to ruin your life or whatever, even though I didn't have a normal college experience. So I guess this is all to say that what I've learned today is this continues to be hard and nobody's perfect at it. and. I'm just going to trust that everybody else is in the same place I am. <laughs> That's always more helpful. Everybody, you're doing a great job. I want to, again, uh, give you a heads up that the Max Fun Drive is coming up in about a month. And this year, uh, we are looking for people to call in or email in why they are supporters of One Bad Mother. The link to where to send those, it's not the hotline, but the link to where to send those will be in the show notes. And I, I'm just going to go ahead and advance and say thank you for, for calling that in. 
It, it means a great deal. Everyone, you're doing a remarkable job. You really are. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Gabe Mara, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, Daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blues. Oh, said Daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blues. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.